Some say that alongside this see-it-to-believe-it world is the shadowy realm of the supernatural. Sometimes the residents of that dimension touch us, and in one moment, our lives are changed forever. America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, Mary Ann Pohl, is your real ghost chatter host. On this podcast, you'll hear stories by real people who have seen real ghosts. Gordon tells us about an unwelcome encounter with his dead father-in-law, and Lori tells us about a dead logger who looked for his wife and daughter for years after his death until she helped him find peace. Then there's Victoria, who shares her story of a long-dead pig, Edna June, who still watches over her ranch. Did you know a cafe in Anchorage, Alaska is haunted by the ghost of a woman who was blown to bits by a hired hitman? Once in a while, Mary Ann will podcast a tale taken from the genre she loves best, the supernatural. These are just a few of the stories you will hear, and these stories just keep coming. Welcome to today's Real Ghost Chatter episode. Welcome to Real Ghost Chatter. I'm Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers and a charter member of Author Masterminds. Our guest today is Bob Freeman. Bob is an occult detective, artist, game designer, and author whose published novels include Shadows Over Somerset, Keepers of the Dead, and Descendant. A lifelong student of mythology, folklore, magic, and religion, Freeman has written numerous short stories articles and reviews for various online and print publications, and is a respected lecturer on the occult and paranormal phenomena. He is currently working on the occult detective role-playing game and an RPG slash board game hybrid for a major intellectual property. He lives in rural Indiana with his wife, Kim, and son, Connor. You can find him online at occultdetective.com on Twitter at the at percent sign occult detective and on Facebook, you can find him at facebook.com forward slash author Bob Freeman. His last name is spelled F-R-E-E-M-A-N. So welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you for having me. Oh, glad to have you here. You have many stories. I know you do. And I know we're not going to be able to talk about a whole bunch of them today. Maybe we'll come back, we'll come back another time and do a second one. But I'm going to ask you first, how did you begin your paranormal investigations? Well, I, I started as a child, but we can roll forward a little bit. <laughs> in, in 1983, when I was in high school, some friends of mine became involved in some things out at the Missinewa Reservoir, which is an artificial dam and lake that was created in the 60s. And there are many supernatural hotspots in that area, including a place called Seven Pillars. Seven Pillars was a sacred site to the Miami Indians. Mm -hmm. And they held rituals there and they believed that location was a vortex that took you from our world into the afterlife. So we spent a lot of time there and we performed a lot of seances, uh, Ouija board activity, 
and explored all the various abandoned houses in the area. I was reared on ghost stories from the Ozarks. My parents and grandparents were all from Arkansas, transplanted to Indiana in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And so they filled my head with stuff like raw head wrecks and bloody bones and uh, <laughs> all those great ghost stories, you know, that uh, that were brought over actually from, from Europe, but became kind of central to that Southern lifestyle. And, and that's, that's what I was raised on. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we, I formed my first paranormal group in 1983. I called ourselves the Night Stalkers. <laughs> after the Carl Kolschak show. Oh, loved that show. <laughs> loved kids. So yeah, so that's that's when it all began and I, you know, here we are. From what I understand, you've had many, many experiences. I it's mean, true, yeah. So I saw my first full-bodied apparition in 1974. And where were you? Uh, I lived in on the corner of my grandparents' horse farm in a fin along Turkey Creek. And about a quarter mile from where we lived was a cemetery that had a, a really neat urban legend centered around it. There was um, not a very large lot, but there was a, a fence surrounding it with a very wide gate. And since the 50s, people would go out to that cemetery and if a woman would walk through the gate, the gate would open of its own accord and let them pass. <laughs> So and if a, if a male walked up to it, the gate would open and then it would slam into them. Um, <laughs> and it got so bad that they ended up removing the gate because people were getting injured. So I lived next to this place. So as an eight-year-old boy, I would sneak out of the house and I would go up and spend my evenings in that graveyard because I was hungry to catch a ghost. Uh-huh. Uh, and I would climb up in the big shade tree that was in the center of the of the cemetery and kind of, you know, hunker down in the crook of the tree. And one night I got what I was looking for, which was a full-bodied apparition that came up out of the corner of the cemetery and kind of just drifted across. And from then on, I was hooked, so. And was it a woman or a man? Could you tell? I couldn't really tell. I know at the time, I, I believed it was a female, but it really wasn't defined enough to be able to tell. I could see arms and legs and movement. I could see, you know, the head, but it, it just, it wasn't a, it wasn't a solid enough form. God. But uh, yeah, so where it had come out of, there were four tombstones, very aged, all from the early 1800s. And they had all died within a couple of days each other and were aged from, and I'm going from memory here, but like maybe six years old up to 30. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that, that was odd that they'd all died so close together. Uh, but I did a little research and there was a uh, smallpox epidemic at the time that took oh, out a lot sense. of people in the, in the local area. So mm -hmm. I, I confident that that was probably one of them that was was still there and, and trapped there and I've and I've I still I don't live but maybe a mile and a half from there now 
So uh, I still stop out there from time to time, though I haven't seen an apparition there in years. So. Oh, that's amazing, though. That's a really fun, fun story for an eight-year-old who was very brave, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was a farm kid, right? So. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, <clears throat> my dad, when I was when I was little, and I mean, yeah. So right around that age, every Halloween he took me out to what was called the Murder House of Liston Glen, and that was out along the Missinaw Reservoir. And it was an old dilapidated farmhouse. The legend around that location was that a man who had, you know, lost everything, he was depressed and he murdered his wife and children in that house and then hung himself. Mm. So my dad would take me out there every year at Halloween and would try to get the, the ghost of uh, the murderer to come forward. And so, yeah, so as a little kid, I was just kind of thrown into that so uh, <laughs> yeah. I, just, that's just, I just I thought that's the way things were you know it's, uh, it, it didn't seem abnormal to me so God, I, my dad would never do something like that darn <laughs> I would have loved it <laughs> I, I'm upset with him he passed away just shy of two years ago and he had promised me that he would come visit me after he passed and he hasn't shown up yet so well a rascal maybe he just decided yeah. to go to heaven and stay there <laughs> exactly uh, I, I figure he got to the other side and said eh heck with that kid yeah. <laughs> i'll see him soon enough right <laughs> yeah i know um you had mentioned a story you might want to share with us and i didn't know if you wanted to share that or another one yeah okay so i was going to talk about a a local building in my little small town i live in population of about 1200 people mm -hmm. they don't want me to say the name of the place okay. but it was it was an old odd fellows lodge uh-huh originally and now a, a charitable organization owns the building and runs it <laughs> so um let's see almost exactly 14 years ago i think we're a week shy from from the anniversary i was at home in bed and I got a phone call from the board president and he asked me to come up to the, to the location. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, somebody had tried to break into the building. They were needing help. So I went up and they had actually had overnight guests and those guests had experienced strange goings on as they spent the night there. They heard footsteps on the third floor. They heard footsteps descending the stairway. They heard it cross the hall, and then at their door, uh, the bedroom they were sleeping in, the door handle started shaking. So the husband gets out of bed, and he walks over to it, opens it up, and nobody's there. So the reason that the uh, board president had asked me up there was because he knew my interest in, in the paranormal, and he asked me if I would have my group come up and investigate the building for him because they had lots of guests that stayed there, and they were concerned, you know, that it might be something dangerous perhaps even or they i think maybe too they were wanting to maybe uh, calm the the nerves of people who would stay there they were hoping maybe that i would say oh it's fine it's right, it's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. I so that that weekend my group and i we investigated and uh, we set up our equipment and we're prowling around and this building was built in the 1860s and then it was renovated in the 1880s by the Odd Fellows. That's when they added the third story to the building. Mm -hmm. So they had put their lodge on that third floor. 
Um, so that's where their ritual chambers were. They've this grand ballroom, and it's all in ruins now, I, I, I should tell you. The, the wallpaper on the ceiling is all peeling, and it just, it's, it, it has a very creepy vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the floors are warped, and it just is very unnerving. Um, so we're walking around and I approach this closet, which we later learned this, this was where new members of the Yodfellows Lodge would be placed and they'd sit in the dark before being brought out for their initiation. The initiation would consist of them being placed inside a coffin with a human skeleton and then locked inside. And then when they were removed from the coffin, they would be reborn resurrected into the order so anyway so as i'm approaching this closet you know i'm I'm, you know the the hairs on my arms kind of standing up and i'm I'm feeling that something's not right and i'm looking inside and there's an old light cord hanging from the ceiling and it's spinning counterclockwise oh wow and nobody had been in there right so it's just sitting there rotating and i'm like that's odd and I'm, I'm trying to trace there is there a breeze is there something going on and that's when something hit me I mean really and I hit you a physical force strike <laughs> me in the chest oh wow and I'm like you know and it felt like it was trying to reach inside of me you know you could feel it like the kind of tendrils kind of kind of poking into you like fingers right and so I yell you know for my companions and they come running into the room and a black mask appeared in front of me in roughly the shape of a human being. Mm -hmm. And we proceeded to chase this figure around that third floor for the next half hour before it finally dissolved into the shadows. But it kept moving and it it would enter a shadow and then it'd reappear over by a doorway. So we were like, oh, this is, this is a big deal, you know? So, so I, I've been investigating there now for almost 14 years. They had me coming in almost every weekend. After a couple of years, I started bringing other groups in to investigate the building as well. One group, well, more than one, but one group in particular, we set up cameras on the second floor hallway and we caught a full bodied apparition uh, stepping out of one of the rooms it, it stops and it looks right at the camera standing in the in the hall and then it just disappears and then it starts blocking our ir camera wow. you know it's invisible but it's breaking that light and yeah. uh, some of the best footage i've ever seen and we were all outside while this was happening and then about a year later another group uh, set up cameras in the same location and their cameras were a little different, but they caught a full shadow figure standing in the exact same place where we'd caught the other. It turned and started walking down the stairs, down towards the first floor. So that was two great video evidence that, that were caught there. We've captured thousands of EVPs in the place. Mm. Uh, I, it, it'd be hard to describe all the different experiences in that one location wow. that we've had just in the last decade and a half so mm-hmm. uh, wow so, that is yeah, astounding that, do you have do you have that on your website any of that video no but it is on youtube okay because uh, i bet people would love to go see that yeah so uh yeah if you if you do a search for me on, on youtube you'd be able to find uh, 
find that evidence and, and take a look at it. Okay. It is well worth a look. Yeah. It, so. Oh, it would be. I'm I'm going to go look. <laughs> so so you just search for Bob Freeman. Yeah, yeah. It, it should be under Bob Freeman, a cult detective. If you look that up, you should be able to find the video easy enough. I oh, wish I had readily available, but yeah, it, it, it should be easy to find. Okay, great. That'd be great for people to go see. Because, you know, you said something in there about ley lines, too. So, you, yeah, you, so you, there were vortexes in the same yeah, building? Yeah, that's the same building. And that's that's what I believe is, is going on there. Um, I, I, I mapped out the whole area. And you can draw a line from, the, like, seven pillars up through where this building is. And mm -hmm. it stretches to another sacred site at the Mound State Park in Anderson. Mm -hmm. The mounds there, plus other converging lines as well. I think, and I think it falls right on a vortex, and I think that's what's going on there. I think it's a, there's a portal that that probably the Odd Fellows opened up. Um, I was wondering, right? It, that was going to be my question. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are with the the Odd Fellows. I'm not um, at all familiar with the Odd Fellows. They're a fraternal organization, very altruistic. You know, great. You know, it's a great organization. But like one of the things they would do whenever they would move into an area and set up a lodge, they would buy a large plot of land and they would start a cemetery. That's why you see IOOF -I cemeteries everywhere. Mm -hmm. That's All what right. IOOF stands for, is Independent Order of Oddfellows. I did not know that. Yep, so that's, so yeah, so and here in Indiana, there's Oddfellow cemeteries everywhere. Of course, they've all been renamed now because, you know, the order isn't as prevalent as it used to be. Right. You know, thanks to things like the internet, you know, which <laughs> people don't join social social clubs much anymore. So, right, uh, right. But that's you know the, the death and and death rituals were very big in in what they did. So it's not hard to extrapolate that something went awry, perhaps during one of their rites, or or something at, at the very least because the. The, the wall between, you know, here and there was thinner because of, you know, that ley line activity mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, maybe something just took notice and, and crossed over then. And then it's hard to say. Well, if they're doing rituals, it takes a certain ritual to open a portal, if I'm right. Am I wrong about yes, that? Yes, but I mean, there are... There I mean, there's several different for, rituals. I understand yes, that, but right. a certain type of rituals. What I'm saying. Right. There are ways for it to happen. So, okay. Uh, but we don't know what they were doing. Right. You know, it's because you're talking, you know, the 1800s. You know, and and right. there, our records are pretty spotty. But it is intriguing that for a town, you know, like I said, of roughly 1,200 people, mm -hmm. and yeah. the, and the and the population was about the same then, a little less. But, you know, when you look at their rosters, they would have over 300 people signing in. Wow. You know, and that's, that's all over the, all over the state. Wow. And that's, I thought, well, why are they coming here to Converse? A, we're, a, we're a tiny little town, you know. Right. A, yeah. But, but we had a, you know, uh, a gas boom and, you know, there's, there was all kinds of things going on. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like Jefferson... Texas is one of the most haunted places there are. Same thing about having a big boom in the place. And it was one of the deadliest towns in Texas <laughs> at the time, because, you know, it was a, it was a different kind of boom because this was a boom about 
um, Caddo Lake. Caddo Lake is used to, it's the only natural lake in Texas, which is actually a swamp. So oh. it used to go from Jefferson and to New Orleans. So th there was a huge boom during the time. There was a raft that kept this, that it, it was, it was a, a natural raft, kind of a dam that kept it open so they could do this. And when they broke down that dam, it destroyed the economy. Oh, so, wow. yeah, because they, then that you couldn't get to New Orleans anymore. And it's just, it's a wonderful story. And it's just the same idea that you just have all this prosperity. And I don't know what happened in the wild west and prosperity and then killings and there, and then you add odd fellows. And I bet you, you've got a heck of a deal going on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, it's like, you um, know, oh. Well, I should tell your listeners that all this month on my website, I'm doing what I call hashtag occult 30. Mm -hmm. and so every every day I'm posting a true story. Oh, from fun. My, you know, years of, of adventuring. Okay. Uh, so, and I'm encouraging people to, to take part in it as well. Okay. Um, you know, so like, uh, like, uh, let's see what, what I, I told a story today about, uh, oh, these abandoned houses out of the Missinewal that I explore. So mm -hmm. after telling that story, then I encourage you, well, have you ever experienced something in an abandoned house? And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that type of thing. So trying to start up a dialogue. And of course, I, I would choose to do that when we're in the middle of, uh, you know, uh, the, the current turmoil we're under, you know, <laughs> coronavirus and uh, protests and riots. Right. So, yeah, um, well, people, people have, have other things on their minds. So, but hopefully my, my, my thought was, well, here's a distraction, you know, so that you're not just totally focused on all that bad news. Well, here's something that you can spend, you know, a half hour on and kind of step away from that for a bit. And if you have a paranormal bent, and enjoy that sort of thing well maybe it's something that you'd be interested in that is really cool that's thank you for sharing that for the listeners when you it's it's hashtag occult is it 30 a 30 or, or yes okay yes. hashtag occult 30 and so it's for the 30 days of of june okay so, great so there have been three posts so far and we'll have a fun little story tomorrow i'll give you i'll give you a sneak peek at it oh. okay <laughs> so just outside of converse i uh -huh. lived in a house in what was called Belgium town. It was called that because there used to be all these glass factories out there because of the gas boom. So Belgium town was where all these people from Belgium lived because they were all glass blowers. So anyway, so I lived in this little house. This was in the early nineties. And whenever I would walk down the hallway of the house, I would get just a, just a cold chill. You know, it was like just walking through a cold spot. And, and I'd been around enough of them to recognize that there's something unnatural here. On the wall, there was kind of like an odd bump in the wall, you know, like where you you patch over plaster. Right, you know, right. So uh -huh. I'm, I'm trying to find out. I'm, I'm trying to make a contact with other, whatever spirit it might be. I'm not getting anywhere. And then one day I'm talking to a relative who's a construction worker. And I mentioned that patch on that wall. And he said, well, you know what happened there, right? No, I don't. Well, back in the early 60s, a gentleman came home to his wife in that house and they get into an argument. And he says, fine. And he leaves and he goes out drinking. And when he comes home that night, she's standing there waiting for him. 
with a shotgun. Oh, jeez. And so she shoots and blows his ear off. He takes the shotgun away from her and shoots her through the chest and punches her through that wall. Wow. That's what that plaster patch was, was where they, where they patched over where she had broken the wall when the force of the shotgun threw her in it. He was convicted uh, and he died in prison of liver failure. So, uh, so that was, you know, there's, there's a little sneak peek of what I'll be talking about. But the story's fantastic. But that's the kind of stuff I fall into, right? <laughs> so like, I just was renting this house. I mean, it was just like, oh, great. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. You're I just don't gonna... know if I'm, I don't know if I'm sniffing the stuff out or if it just follows me, you know. So. <laughs> you know, I have a feeling you're just kind of intuitive to it, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't, it sounds like you're getting a bunch of different spirits. So I, don't, I don't know if any are following you or not. But <laughs> it sounds like you've had bunches of different ones. I would assume that means... You just walked into a house and found another one. <laughs> That's what it sounds right. like. Well, I, I suppose, yeah, I, I, I go, I'm looking for a place to live. I go in and look at a place that's up for rent. And I go, oh, yeah, this one would be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this feels good. <laughs> maybe, maybe you want to go the next time. If it feels good, walk away. <laughs> I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. <laughs> I know people are really interested in paranormal investigations and advice do you give people who's come up to you who i'm sure have and said hey i want to be an investigator how do i start what do you well, tell them? It, yeah it's it's really simple right because all the tools you need you already have mm -hmm. right so you just need to be able to sit quietly and need to listen and have empathy you know and uh, now granted most people do have empathy the best way to start is just be able to, to listen and there look because of television there is a paranormal research group just about on every block of every right. town you know, <laughs> exactly. they're everywhere it's, mm -hmm. it's one of the funny things i always talk about is that where i live we don't have cable tv right mm -hmm. uh, so i had never heard of like ghost hunters i i'm out and i'm doing what i always do i'm out hunting for spirits and in various locations and i was out at a place called okie pinoki mm -hmm. and there's these guys out there and they have k2 meters and stuff and i'm like oh hey what are you guys doing oh they're oh well yeah that's great yeah hey, that's what i do and uh so it was nice and then a week later i'm out at a local place that we call Hobbitland, mm -hmm. uh, doing the same thing and i run into another group of people and they also have k2 meters <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, well, that's really odd. And, and they said, well, yeah, well, you watch Ghost Hunters. Uh, what what's that? You know. And so, okay. <laughs> so but so so I went for like you know twenty some years and never running into another Ghost Hunter. You mm -hmm. know, right? And then all of a sudden they're everywhere. And now they're they really are everywhere. And so <laughs> the best thing if you if you're interested and want to go out, contact one of your local groups. And they they're almost always willing to allow people to go on ride-alongs. Mm -hmm. But you don't need to buy all the fancy equipment that you see on TV. I don't really buy into most of it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I still kind of hunt old school. You know, I use dowsing rods and compasses and analog recorders and all that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. 
So there's, yeah, there's no reason to be, you know, to think, oh, I need the, you know, you know, thermal cameras and all, <laughs> right? I mean, they're fun toys. Oh yeah. Uh, but but you don't need that. All all you really need are your eyes and your ears, and a willingness to be open to what you might experience. Okay, that's that is great advice. I. I'm probably one of the only people that doesn't want to go and do paranormal investigations. Just saying. <laughs> I'm the one that wants to hear about it, and I write a lot of paranormal, and I've had experiences, but I'm the person that goes, hey, I've had enough. I don't need to go see come out. Thanks. Right, right. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Just to go back to your story about the Oddfellow Lodge, did you uh-huh. were you able to console that um, board chairman at all and make him feel uh, no. better about the place? Not at all. I was. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's what I wanted. No. It, it, yeah, um, but like I said, there's been so many uh, occurrences there. It's it's funny. They have a they have a, a sign in board like on the wall, or people like go up and and sign their names and say, you know, thank you for the great time we had. Blah blah blah. Thanks for letting us stay here. And now when you when you read those and stuff. Uh, uh, we made it without running into a ghost, or uh, yeah, we saw it. We saw an, uh, an apparition in the hallway. You know that. So there's like all these like ghost-related uh, messages left on there. Now. Uh, That's so funny. But I think they're at, they're at peace with it. It is what it is, right? So. Well, and it, it hasn't killed anybody or hurt anybody yet, has it? it ha- well, other than you know people on the third floor, people get scratched on okay. on occasion and that kind of stuff. You don't want to go up there. That's what I say. Unless you're doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Because right, exactly. you're prepped they, for it. But yeah, I wouldn't they, be going up there for. Yeah, they stay out. They stay away from that floor pretty much. And so, uh, yeah. So mo- most of the stuff on the lower levels is benign. So I'll let you get it. I mean, I'm sure you, you've been around it enough to know the, the majority of hauntings are residual. They're not intelligent. They're, it's just like a, you know, a tape that's that's playing and plays over and over again, repeating the same action. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's the intelligent haunts that, you know, you got to pay extra attention to, but um, that's part of the fun, I guess. Well, part of the fun and the part of the challenge. And I don't yeah. guess it would be fun without a challenge. I, right. I can't imagine that. Yeah. I've only had uh, the, uh, the only ones I've ever had an experiences with. And one of them was definitely an intelligent problem. Two of them. And then the other one, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know if it was residual or intelligent. I did that one. I don't. Right. But I didn't go out asking for it, nor did I wanted to ask questions. And on the the one that I wasn't sure which it was, I I was home before I realized I'd had an experience. So I was like, I didn't even have right. a chance to think about it. I was out to dinner, minding my own business. You know what I mean? So it's like All right. in a haunted restaurant. So my husband's like, oh, let's go there for my birthday. And I'm thinking, no, let's not. You don't have experiences. I have experiences. No, let's not go back there. <laughs> I used to be a I used to be a bartender in a haunted uh, tavern, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it it was it was really exciting, you know, because you never knew what was going to happen. Usually, it was people would get touched in the bathroom, um, mm-hmm. or uh, or the waitresses would would go and the the uh, saloon doors uh would swing open for them you know as they would go to you know carry in drinks and and occasionally <laughs> it, it, they would get touched in inappropriate places uh, uh, yeah but that was a, that was a fun place <laughs> some 
some entities are really actually very have well mannered. <laughs> yes, some, some are, yes. And then some and, are not. And others aren't, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they feel they can do what they want, I imagine. Yeah, well, I mean, they're people. So, you know, they, you know, so people come in all stripes. So. Isn't that the truth? Except Isn't for the ones true? that aren't. Yeah. Yeah, right. Some Except for the ones people. that aren't. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> Those are the ones that are you really have to watch for. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just so enjoyed this conversation, and I'm hoping that in a couple of months or a month, you and I can do another podcast and share some that more would, stories. I would love that. That would be great. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. It's great. And I just want to say a few more things before we sign off. And so I'm just going to say this does conclude today's podcast. And I have many thanks for sharing your story, Bob. I really enjoyed it. You can find more out about Bob and his writings, as I said, at occultdetective.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to share it with others you think would also be interested. If you have a supernatural encounter to share on Real Ghost Chatter, please contact me at M-A-R-Y-A-N-N at M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-P-O-L-L dot com. And if you'd like to know more about me, go to M-A-R-Y-A-N-N-P-O-L-L dot com and or authormasterminds.com forward slash M-A-R-Y dash A-N-N dash P-O-L-L. Until next time, may the wind always be at your back, the sun on your face, and the good Lord walk beside you.